Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We know what we think. What do you think? Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. You know it's something off with the Mets. It's not just about. It's not about talent because they have that. There are guys there that have been proven commodities that aren't getting it done. It's not even about just Scherzer and Verlander or those guys maybe being washed up or not what they once were because they're older. It's everybody to a man is underperforming, not getting the job done, and this is a talented team. Which leads me to think it's a lot more than just the team struggling on the surface. There's got to be something else going on. I'm not trying to speculate and you know, cause drama, but I truly believe there is some sort of disconnect. There is some sort of malfunction uh, taking place in that clubhouse. And I'm not sure what exactly it is. Is it a lack of chemistry? Is it you know a lack of guys taking accountability? You know, Lindor's a likable guy. Uh, if you you obviously the first year here was was rough, but uh, I, I think he's a good guy, a likable guy, a talented guy. Is he the leader in that clubhouse? Alonzo is he the leader in that club? Like, what is there a disconnect there? Is it Buck? Is he lost the team? I'm not. I don't necessarily believe that. I'm just throwing out things that. You know, is there a divide somehow between the pitchers and the the offense? Like, I I don't – something's wrong. Because there's no way a team this talented can make it this difficult to win a, a, one ball game. A, ball game. Or series, for that matter. But even the wins, it's like they they win one – you know, they're winning two, two games every six. Can't happen. Something is off. There's something wrong with this team. Also, the mental mistakes, where Steve Cohen himself said that that can't happen. Way too many mental mistakes. That's why you don't get caught up in the wins, because even with a win, you know, like against the Yankees, they play crappy, and they're lucky to win. Yeah, you'll take it as opposed to getting swept, but too many mistakes. That's why you lose to a bad team like the Cardinals. So what is going on for a team that essentially is the same as it was a year ago, players-wise? How could they be so good a year ago and that essentially same team be so bad a year later? What is the problem? Franklin is calling from Kingston. What's up, Franklin? Hey, Sal, congratulations on your new job, first of all. Thank you. And, Thank you. uh, you're, yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, getting on your uh, thoughts about the Mets, uh, big Mets fan here, I, I like what you're saying there about, uh, a fact I don't know either. I'm, that's why I'm calling you right now. I'm looking at the August 1st deadline. Is that my only hope here as a Mets fan for trade, for the effort to do something? Um, no, no, because yeah. you, 
it's not it's not even hope. Trade what? Like, what are they going to get that's going to do something? Right. They, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like you were saying, and I've been thinking about what you said like the last two seconds, literally. And uh, yeah, maybe Buck is not doing a good job. I'm, I'm just literally reacting to what you're saying right now. I, I don't know. Um, Wait, but it's not just what, it's not I, just on Buck. There's something going on, Buck. You know, and they're all yeah. see, they're all fooling themselves. Like I don't know who they're kidding, but we all know what's going on. We see it. We've seen it for three months, and yet they continue to try to keep a brave face and say, "Oh, we'll be fine. You just got to play better. We got the guys here. They got the want to." Oh, I feel bad that the rewards aren't there for these guys who put the work in. I'm not saying it's a it's a lack of effort, but it's clearly something wrong. With this yeah, team. so that's why maybe a trade, is that, is that the answer? I'm trying to think of a solution here. What kind of trade are you talking about, though, Franklin? Um, bring in maybe one more hitter. No, they need, if anything, they need to, and thank you for the call, Franklin, we appreciate it. They need to shake it up. That's what type of trade they need. Something to shake it up. Not just a specific, oh, well, they're going to need an arm in the bullpen and they're going to need an arm in the rotation and maybe a bat. No, that's not going to do it. Because, again, it's not about the ancillary pieces. It's about the main guys not getting the job done. I watched the Mets play last year. I thought they were a very good team. This year I watch them, and it looks like a bunch of individuals who are struggling. Not a team in any sense of the word. And if they are a team, it's with a bad in front of them. Bad team. But there's no accountability. And even Buck is afraid to say it. He's alluded to it. They got to be true to themselves. They right now suck. They're terrible. They're not historically bad players. They're historically good players. So what's the problem? When things go wrong, they can't figure out a way to turn it around. They're soft. Now, why is that the case? Is there no leader? Is there somebody specific that's a problem? What exactly is their issue? Jesse's calling from Queens. What's up, Jesse? Hey, Sal. What's up? Uh, Congrats on your move. Uh... You've done a great job on overnights, and I always love uh, listening to you on the Mets and all that stuff. And you're gonna be thank you. You and uh, you, Moose Jesse. are my favorites. So, oh, uh, thank you. We we appreciate that. I'll speak for Moose on this one and say we appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, about the Mets, I think the problem might be with Lindor. I mean, he had that problem with McNeil, and some people are still saying there still might be stuff. Uh, you know, there's not there's not unity in that clubhouse. You know, I think there's some clicks in that cl- in that clubhouse, and Buck's not being real. So this is a whole big thing. But you know, you can't really change the whole team. So usually, you either change the the, the players or you change the manager. And unfortunately, it seems you know Buck might take the fall and Hafner might take the fall. If this doesn't if they don't change this because, so, like you said, something is going on in the clubhouse which is contributing to this because they got talent. So I think Lindor might be at the center of this. And I've heard some people say a possible trade. I don't know how realistic it is, but San Francisco has been always looking for another star player. They need a shortstop. They got a really great pitching prospect in Kyle Harrison. Remember, they did we did the uh, bell transfer Zach Wheeler with them a long time ago. So maybe we can do a repeat of that. We eat, we eat a lot of the money, and we send Lindor there. We get their best, best pitching prospect, and we move on. I think Lindor might be behind the, the clubhouse problems. What do you think? Uh, I, I don't uh, – two things. Number one, they're not trading Lindor for two reasons. They're not going to – no team is going to take on that contract, and the Mets aren't going to pay half of it to have him go play somewhere else. So they need players. You know, who's playing short? You're going to tell me Ronnie Mauricio? That's not going to happen – not with this team, not with this owner. So Lindor is going to be here to stay. And I don't think he's the problem, Jesse, and thank you for the call. He has been the problem in the past. Maybe he's part of a problem that's going on in that clubhouse. 
You know, I heard BT and, and Tiki talking about this. Maybe it was last week or a couple weeks ago. I think it was last week. The fact that Lindor owed McNeil a car. Remember he said if McNeil won the batting title, he'd buy him a car, and he still hasn't gotten him that. And I know that a lot of times in sports media now we make stuff up to, you know, uh, go viral or whatever. You know, people trying to make something out of nothing to get attention. I, for one, never do that and never want to do that. But, you know, I get sometimes people bring up different stories that, you know, just to try to change it up a little bit. I do think that that, that's a legitimate potential issue. I don't know for a fact, but if somebody promised me something, you know, Sal, if you ever get moved to the middays, I'm going to buy you a car. And then I get moved to the middays, and the person who promised that is not buying the car, it's going to be a problem. Right? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you feel like that's a problem? So I don't know if that's a big deal. I don't know what's going on there, but... Lindor still hasn't paid up on that bet. That should have been something that should have been resolved spring training. And maybe that caused some teammates to lose respect for him. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. But again, I don't think Lindor is... This is not a one-player thing. This is not a one-guy thing. This is a team issue. And they need to figure it out. They need to have... I know Buck had the closed-door meeting... They need to air it out. I think it's gotten to a point now where somebody needs to call out somebody else and there needs to be an airing out process. They they can't be ignorant to the reality of their situation, which is not a good one. 877-337-6666. Stewart is calling from Brooklyn. Good morning, Stewart. We're talking about the uh, Mets and the Yankees. You could, the Yankees. You, you could talk whatever yeah, you want. Still, what? You could talk about whatever you want. Well, I'll say this much, Sal. When I was when I rooted for your team back from '62-01, your team, your team, because you were a Mets fan no, first your, before it was me. Your team. What? No, you were a Mets fan before me. Yeah, I was definitely. Right. Uh, when I rooted for them. There were so many major disappointments, so many bad trades. I can name the three three or four players that they did get of value were uh, first we'll start off with uh, Keith, Gary Carter, Mike Piazza, Johan Santana, and, uh, well, going into your era, and uh, Al Leiter. And I rooted for them and rooted for them, and there were so many major disappointments. And then I figured out one thing. The coupons, the wool ponds were the, were the main driving force of all those major issues. Yes, they drafted Doc. They drafted Daryl. And they gave the town a, a short period of time where they, we thought that, oh, the Yankees were going to be demoted to second place, which they were never going to be demoted because the Mets had two runs like this of a gentleman. Yeah, but in the 80s, they were. I mean, you lived they, through it. I lived through it as a kid. But the 80s, yeah. they were. The Mets, the Mets, the last time the Mets were the premier team in this town, and there are a lot of people who are you know, 30 years old or younger that they don't, don't it. It, they don't know that there was a time when no. the Mets were the premier team in the town. So it's you hard know, for people to fathom that. I've stadium so many times in the 80s with my friends, I'm sitting in the loge, in the loge in left field, and Doc was in left field, and I say, "Hey, Doc," and he turns around, and gives me two thumbs up, or I was there. Um, Would you say 69. you're a front runner? What? Would you say you're a front runner? No, because uh, I consider you a front runner. Uh, a front running fan. Why I'm not a front runner? Because right. there was too many disappointments. Too many players that were out there that they could have gone and gotten, and they didn't spend the money. Yeah, but then you left That's to go not about what, to money. the Yankees. It's about winning. It's about winning. Okay? I was the Yankee fan in 57 to 62. I right, when they were good. I would, mm, no, that's what I knew. That's what I knew. Right. I, I went to the Mets because of Casey Stengel. I love the old man. He was great. And Gil Hodges, who I loved, because I loved Gil Hodges. Okay? 
But then we went to, then uh, I went to July 9th. No, I, think, I think you're a front runner because you do no, flip-flop back and forth with your team. I'm not flip-flopping back to the Mets, if you're asking that question. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not until they start winning. No, not even. Yeah, if the Mets Not are in even. the World Series before the Yankees next, I, I think you're going to be a Met fan. Well, who are you rooting for in 2015? And what? The World Series? No, well, yeah, that season, yeah. I was rooting for the Mets to win the World Series, of course. That's what New I mean. York. I was rooting for Kansas City? No way. No way in hell. Yeah. And who was I rooting for in 2000? The Mets. Why? See? I just the Yankees to 0-1. If I asked that question to a million people and they answered that the same way you just did, guess what a million of those people would be called? Front runners. No, Met fans. Yeah, Met fans. I rooted for the Mets because I was still a Met fan. I went back to the Yankees after Benny Albrani opened up his mouth and said, we're going to beat the Yankees in five games. Oh, okay. That wasn't cool. Yeah. That was well, cool. unfortunately. You know, think, you know what that did, though, don't you? That was bulletin, bulletin material for the Yankees. And this is it? it uh, yeah, as, as if they needed it. Is, isn't it oh, crazy, those stories? Jose Vizcaino, Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, amongst others. Isn't it crazy, though, Stuart, that there was, you know, I'm saying it even to, re, to remind myself, Go there ahead. was a time with this city, and it wasn't that long ago. You know, it's not like we're talking about the, the 60s or 70s even. Oh, there was a time in this city that the Mets owned this town. They were the That's dominant it. team in That's this it. town. You know why? Because they, 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 had to, they put together the team. And who put together that team? Frank Cashin. Yeah. Frank well, I remember. Frank I remember it, but it just, it's just the point. It's just the bigger point that it has happened. It and has happened, Met- and it could very well happen again. I'm not saying oh, both. I, but it hasn't. It, it happened it once happened. in the Why? 80s. It hasn't happened Why? again. Why? Because of the ownership and the people around the ownership advising. But them. that's what made – now you're getting to the point. And that's what made it different to me this time is that it was a different ownership where I did not think the Mets were going to regress, especially so oh. soon. Maybe <laughs> having a bad year – uh, right. bad, having a bad year on occasion is fine. This right oh. after that year but is right unacceptable. Right after 101? Right after winning 101 games? No, no, no. And uh, like you said, uh, many people have said they lost it when the Braves took it from them and they continued on against San Diego and they haven't gotten it back. And it's what not kind of car? What kind of car did you drive when you were in high school? High school? Yeah. Or college, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Like around then. 1971 Duster. Hmm. 1971 How, Duster. How'd you feel about that? Did it make you feel confident? What, the car? I had real yeah, real yeah, the car. I had rear end worked on that car. and had 180 horsepower and it flew. Yeah, so I'm like saying. Like my Fury 3. My Catch Fury 3 flew like a, like a bat out of hell. Fury <laughs> that 3? Car. What's that? Plymouth Fury 3. Oh, Plymouth Fury Theory. I'm not familiar with it. All right. I had 300 horsepower and it Because I, like, I feel like a young Stewart, and is why I asked it, I feel like a young Stewart was a little bit of a hot rodder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. We did. I, me and my friend, we drag raced on Union Turnpike in the middle of rush hour. See? In the middle of rush hour. 515 traffic, we were drag racing. Like swerving in between cars and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that was nuts. We were, we, let me say this much to you. And you know where Union Turnpike is out in Queen in Glen Oaks? No. Uh, it's where I used to live. From 268th Street up to uh, the city line, city line, me and my friend had a drag race. I was doing 100 miles on that one to, on Union Turnpike and the 66 Chevy Impala. See, there you go. 66 Chevy Impala. Now you're talking. Yeah, my father's Fury 3. I was doing 100 miles an hour after we paid the toll at Jones Beach parking lot. Hmm. You could drive a stick, I'm assuming? What? You could drive a stick? No. Oh, really? No, I never just went down a couple of pegs in my my book. No, I never drove a stick. All right, so you're not a real hot rod. Oh, it's interesting. Thank you for the call, Stuart.
This is a new fact of the day with Stewart in Brooklyn. Learning what cars he drove in in high school. You could tell, tell he was a little bit of a hot rodder. You know, with Stewart, you got to be careful with the driving, especially with the racing. As we did for a long time, and, you know, there were some issues there. But we love Stewart, of course, and he is a front runner. I don't care what he says. He is a front running fan. Are you going to give Stewart your personal number so you guys can catch up like once a week, once a month? <laughs> Uh, why do you think BT will allow him to call the show? Like, give me a minute alone with Stewart at least, so I could catch up, Fleegs. Stewart, I love you. Don't take this personally. There might be other people, even in addition to BT, that uh, might, might I don't know, maybe once a month uh, that might not. Uh, you know, listen, the overnight's a different animal. You, you <laughs> There's it, things we do here that you're, you're not going to be able to do between ten and two. So do you think it's over for Stewart now with me leaving that it's going to be different for him moving forward with, with C-Mac? No, I don't think it has to be over. Like, listen, every year when the Yankees announce that Cashman and Boone are coming back, you have to have Stewart on that day. Right. And then you'll C-Mac, find a few more moments. And C-Mac and Stewart could be potentially explosive. Because... Oh, so I've been thinking about it. They are going to get into it. Right. Rooting so, for C-Mac the same was... team, they are going to like go... You and Jimmy nuclear levels, and really root just for, Jimmy directing it at you, and they root right. for the same team, rooting for the same team. But one guy, C Mac, protects Cashman, and I'm not—I shouldn't say protects, but one, he likes Brian Cashman and thinks he does a good job, which is understandable. And Stewart hates him irrationally, just hates Brian Cashman and, and Boone for that matter. So that could be an explosive combination there. I like it. Oh, uh, Sally, I mean, you're going to have to, like, when you think about it, if you're ever watching a Yankee game and Boone makes a questionable decision, like, set a reminder for yourself when you wake up in the morning and you're driving in for the midday to rewind and find Stewart calling C-Mac and they, the two of them screaming about it. Not a bad idea. And you're going to have to let me know if you hear it, you know, if you're you know, producing or whatever. Uh, if I don't C-Mac. text you, I'll make sure to title it in the chapter so that when you scroll back, it'll clearly say 320, you know, Stewart and C-Mac fight over Aaron Boone. I should probably stay in contact, though, with Stewart. I don't want to lose touch with him. But he doesn't have a, does he even have a cell phone. I forget his deal. I don't even know if he's got a cell phone. Uh, I don't know. He's all over the place, Stewart. But that's why we love him. He's insane. He was funny, that Met game. Uh, Stewart, you want anything to eat? Yeah, I'll take chicken fingers and okay. Can you, can you get me a soda, too? All right, here you go. He I mean, was... listen, in many ways, Sal Stewart is like your son. Stewart is like my son? Yeah, listen, he's very attached to you, wants to talk to you all the time. You know, he's asking you for chicken tenders and french fries and a soda. I feel like he's like, and I again, I don't know how old he is or what the age disparity is, but a part of me feels like Stewart is, you know, like a grandfather to me. That's fair, too. Listen, whatever the relation is, I think Stewart is your responsibility. You have to stay in touch with him. You mean too much to him. I know, but I can't do that with all the callers now. And I've developed a relationship with a lot of them, believe Listen, I think even everybody who's listened to this show when you've done it the last two years, every call, I mean, even Hector, you know, got Chris, you know, guys who love you will acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Stewart's different. You know, the, the amount of personal information that you've gotten from him over the last few years, the amount we've all learned about Stewart, he just hits on another level. I mean, he admitted to a kill, for goodness sake. You were there, Fleeks. You heard that one. <laughs> I'm cracking up now. Poor Rami has no idea what's going on. Listen, I wasn't going to say it. You said it now that it's out there. He did. Well, it, was, it made it happen. We we talked about it. He's opened up to us, and we appreciate that. Listen, we, I've been answering you. Stewart's calls for over a decade. He called Tony all the time, called you all the time. I mean, he is just an all-time great WFN caller. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's one of the the number one things that I get. It's it's one of the first things that I get when people talk to me and say, oh, I love you on the overnights. I love listening. And that steward is something else. I can't believe some of the stuff that it's one of the first. It's that. And, oh, I love when you lose it on callers. Those are the two things people love the most. And probably neither of them are going to happen on the midday show. Oh, I'm in trouble. Who am I going to yell at? Where's Stuart? I need to find somebody to yell at. And I need to find somebody that can entertain the way Stewart did when he called up. All Listen, all the band uh, overnight callers can find their way to the midday. Pete Hoffman won't know that they're banned from your show, and someone will oh, sneak no, no. through. 
there, there's a list of at least two, and you know who both of them are, that there's no way they're getting through to any show that I'm on ever again. End of story. I mean, that, that's it. I don't care what day it is. I, if I see him on the line, I won't talk to him. So uh, BT can talk to him if he wants. I'm not. You know who the two are, right? Of course I do. I, yeah. I just mentioned one of them. Yeah, exactly. I just don't, I'm not dealing with it, especially now. See ya! You know who we haven't heard from in a while, and this is a great overnight reminiscing? Remember Lee in Brooklyn, who was calling yes. a lot during the Knicks-Hawks playoff series? Yeah, where is he? I haven't heard from him in forever, but I just remember he called up and just, you know, you can never criticize anybody because they're trying hard. I do remember that. Yeah, that was frustrating. That was in the beginning, kind of. L- losses are okay because they went out there and, you know, tried their best, good sportsmanship, all that stuff, as we're watching right. Trey Young just, you know, destroy the Knicks and stomp on all of our hearts. Right. Oh, you, you can't yell at these guys. They tried hard. Yeah, but, they, I mean, come on. that That's great. But the reality is you need to be better. I do remember Lee in Brooklyn. Good pull. I forgot about him. Add WFAN to your contacts to talk New York sports with us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Salakata back on the fan, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Yankees get another win, two straight after dropping four straight, and you know losing to the Mets last week, then getting swept by the Red Sox over the weekend. The off day did the Yankees uh, some good as they come back and now have won two straight against Seattle. We'll look for the sweep later on tonight before the Rangers come to town. David is calling from California. What's up, David? Uh, David, you there? David, are you with us? David on a little bit of a West Coast delay. James is calling from Freeport, New York. What's up, James? Hey, Sal. How you doing, my friend? Good, James. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your move. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can go yell at Kearney now every day for being a Yankee fan. You better believe it. Right? I don't have to wait for somebody to call to yell. Him and I are going to be in the, in the ring right there. Let's go. I think he said today that if this was a couple of years ago, you guys wouldn't be able to work together in the same room. Well, and I understand why he was saying that. Um, and maybe on his end, that would be the case. On my end, uh, look, I think working with anybody can be a challenge, especially if you talk about you know five years ago, less mature, less developed, whatever it may be. But uh, I still think it would have worked. It just would have been different. And maybe... Um, Maybe a little more explosive than it might be now. Look, I don't know. I mean, who's to say it's going to go? We'll find out together. Absolutely. Soon soon enough. Before I get to my match point, I'm going out to Colorado. I know you've been to a lot of stadiums. Anything to look forward to? Yeah, I love that ballpark. I think it's a great ballpark. Um, Very underrated. There's not a ton to it as far as, like, the surrounding areas. But the ballpark itself, I thought, is very cool, very clean, um, good food, good drink, good scene, uh, and, you know, scenic uh, uh, around, you know, uh, from your seats there. It's, I, I like the ballpark. I think it's underrated. Yeah, well, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about it when I get back. Go next week. Enjoy so. it, yeah. Uh, as far as the match, I think last year Buck had more autonomy when it came to the lineup and making decisions. You said a couple of weeks ago we were making the lineup. They didn't know exactly what that meant. But he just doesn't look the same. And I think there's some more analytics this year that's going on. And I'm a traditionalist, so I don't like the analytics at all. But I don't think Buck is happy either. So, I don't know. Well, I know, he, I know he's not happy. I mean, you can look at him and see, and you know that he's not happy. The problem is, or the question is, how's he going to fix it? That's the thing. It, you know, Buck is... He's been saying the same thing all year long, and the team just has not responded here. Buck himself has had a bad year. It's It's been ugly all around, Buck from top been, to yeah, bottom. McNeil's had a bad year. I mean, McNeil's not hitting. Right, Nimmo's that's not one. getting on base. Nimmo's making bad base decisions. And it's, just, it's all around. Playing bad defense. They're bad on the base paths. The bullpen's been bad. The starters have been awful. I mean, it's, even it's, look, you look at today, they scored eight runs, and you can't win. So, you, so they're scoring, and they can't win. They don't score, and yeah, they can't win. So. I think SMY gave this stat, and I forget the exact number. I'm going to take a guess here and, and give a rough uh, estimate. But I think it's they've lost 11 games this year 
when scoring six runs or more. Think about that. You can't do that. The Mets, like like the Mets over the course of their history, it's hard to you know because the team usually built on pitching. Hard to imagine them losing many games when you score six runs or more, and they've already lost eleven games this year when that has been the case. That's unacceptable. Well. Hopefully they go, you know, I'm still an optimist. You go to Philly, you sweep Philly, you're only three back. You tread water for a little bit, and, and then hopefully James, you meet up on the bad teams. James, it's over. Not happening. You, you got to let it go. It's over. No, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying don't watch and don't enjoy it. Thank you for the call and enjoy Colorado. Have you been Fleegs to Colorado, that ballpark? I know you've been around. I, have not, I haven't been to Colorado at all. Yeah, that's a, it's a very underrated. Now, you're not going to put a top five. But to me, it could be bottom of the top 10 and definitely middle of the pack, if not. But only because some of the other ones were that much better. It's nothing wrong with Colorado. I really enjoyed that ballpark. Very cool. Um, you got to let it go with the Mets, though. It, it's over. This season's a lost goal. Hey, you watch it. You enjoy it. That's fine. It, it, it's not happening. If they sweep the Phillies, like how many times are going to be? Well, yeah, if they sweep the Phillies and, and then go take three or four from the Brewers and then win a series from the Giants, you know, do something they haven't done all year long in three months so far, actually win some series uh, consecutively, yeah, then maybe they could make, uh, make a run and be in it. Or they could get swept by the Phillies and lose three out of four to the Brewers and lose two out of three to the Giants and the Diamondbacks and the Padres. And then officially have the nail put in their coffin going into the All-Star break. It's a lost year. You knew it. I'm telling you, you don't want to acknowledge it. You don't want to believe in signs. This year was lost before the first pitch was ever thrown. When Edwin Diaz went down in the Worthless Baseball Classic for celebrating a win, that was the end of the Mets season. It ruined everything. E. Frank is calling from Astoria. What's up, E. Frank? Yes, uh, <clears throat> we're going to miss you a lot during this time slot, so the, don't worry about it. Everything probably be very fine at the midday. But, well, you know, I appreciate I just that. Wanna, I you. called because uh, I want to give a congratulatory remark to the Denver Nuggets, how they had a lot of patience to last the whole season and finally win the NBA uh, championship. And I want to find out if you think there are going to be new changes for the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets, and if Kevin Durant may be coming uh, back somehow. Oh, what? Where? What do you mean, Kevin Durant coming back? I mean, uh, did he retire yet? No, he's playing with Phoenix. So there's no possibility, because I was listening uh, to another show that says they're going to trade many players, they're going to make many changes in other NBA teams. And you know there's uh, a new uh, head coach there with the Toronto Raptors, right? Okay, KD, why would K, – you're talking about Kevin Durant coming back to the Nets? Uh, Yeah. No. God, no. E. Frank, I don't know where you're getting that, and thank you for the call, I think. No way. Where you, there's no chance. Do you remember how it went down? It wasn't that long ago. You think he's ever coming back here? I tried to explain E. Frank to Rami while training him, and nothing I could come up with could do a better job than that call. Goodness. And I was just thinking, wow, we haven't heard from E. Frank in a while. And now I know why. I remember. I forgot. I remember why. Uh, look, the Knicks, I, I don't know how significant their changes will be. I think at this point, the most significant thing the Knicks will do is potentially trade Obi Toppin. Like, if they make a big move, that would be it, to trade Obi Toppin. For what? For who? I don't know. Outside of that, I think it's going to be bit parts, which could help. You know, we've seen that happen before where they make a an acquisition that doesn't have the sexiness to it that is very impactful and positive on the club. You know, Josh Hart wasn't the sexiest deal last year at the deadline, but it was a good one for the Knicks. Maybe something similar to that in the offseason. They have to add. They have to bring in more shooting. You can't go into the year with the same roster and not acknowledge that you desperately need somebody or somebody's who can shoot the basketball. Who will that be? No idea yet. 
But Kevin Durant is not going anywhere. He's going to stay in Phoenix. James is calling from Atlanta. What's up, James? Good morning. Hey, good morning to you, sir. Um, I called, told your, uh, the, the screener guy, congrats, man, on your, um, time slot. And I, and I say it, you know, you're, you're a father, I've learned, and that's got to be huge for you to be able to have that, you know, not overnight time and then, you know, go into the daytime, uh, morning slot, uh, to be able to, I don't know, normalcy, you know, and, but you will be missed. As a new fan of your show in the middle of the night, you know, I'm not, again, I'm a night person and I'm not up at 10 to, I think your slot is uh, 10 to mm-hmm. 2. But, um, I mean, for real though, like, I mean, well earned. They talk, I, I, I say it again, they talked about it on uh, Chuck and Turnoff that this was going to happen. <laughs> and, well, they, so, well, now, wait, what do you mean? They said it after the fact or you're talking about before? No, that, that before they said it when the guy that's leaving going to the I don't know the the lineup on the the your whole show the the whole Car- you're talking about Craig Carden Craig Carden yeah. announced that he was leaving a week ago yeah yes and Matt said what if Sal got you know the daytime right. slot you know and, and I mean again we joke it's and what if. You, you see, because Matt, he's not as dumb as he thinks or, or as we think he is sometimes or as he sounds at times. He's not. So he knows the deal. He knew he, the deal. He does. He does. And he, you know, he should say, well, what if Sal got that job? And he's thanking his lucky stars. Do you know why, James? Huh. Because I wasn't going to do overnights much longer. And there was a chance I would have come down to Atlanta. He and dominated, about- dominated his show on the ratings. And I would have been number one in Atlanta. <laughs> I would be number one. I could be number one in Atlanta from New York. That's how good I am. He's lucky. And Matt turned off running his mouth last year. Oh, his little overnight show in New York. Well, what do you got to say now? <laughs> like, Hey, it's a big old touche. You know what I mean? But listen, like for real though, I mean, uh, it's a know, big old touche or it's a big old something else. And you know what the something else is. And so I, does he. I got gotcha. you. But no, like father to father and, um, you know, person to person, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that I've worked nights in my life and kids, the whole thing. I know this has got to be a big, just just the schedule change. It's got to be a, a happy thing for you. And Well, um, truthfully, truthfully, James, it hasn't. It hasn't really sunk in yet. Like, I got to get through this week, and this is the last overnight for me this week. I'll be doing afternoons tomorrow, filling in with Keith. And then next week, I have a couple of days off that were planned way in advance. And then I have the final three overnights of my career, the the end of next week. And then from there, I could start to try to process what my schedule is going to be like. And uh-huh. it's going to be – look, this is a life-changing thing for me. Oh, in, yeah. a, in a very good way, obviously, but it hasn't – uh, it hasn't really hit me yet, so I'm excited for it. And by the way, that's just the schedule part of it, you know, like the lifestyle. More importantly to me is the opportunity that I'm now going to have doing mm-hmm. a day part on the number one sports station in the world. So the reach is far greater than it is on the overnight. As much as I love the overnight and the audience and all that stuff, obviously more people listen during the day. So I want to make I want to make a name for myself. I want to make more of an impact. Yeah. So that is what I'm excited about most. Are you working with um, side by side with uh, was it Tiki Barber or is this just no you? no? Uh, I'm working with Tiki Barber's former partner Brandon Tierney. It is me and gotcha. Brandon Tierney. Gotcha, gotcha, man. Like real talk. I mean, obviously you earned it. I told you over the past couple of weeks that, you know, I became a, a fan of your show through the whole little joking thing with turnoff and all that. But mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you're good, dude. And I, I congratulate you and all the success in the world. And, you know, he's going to, I know it's going to be wild. The, the waking up scheduled thing from nights to days, but I wish you all the best, man. Thank you, James, and send my best to everybody in Atlanta, all right? All my fans in Atlanta, tell them I said hello, and thank you for their support. I will. All right, James, take care. See, I love that. I'm number one in Atlanta. Not Chuck and Chernoff or whatever their show was called. I'm number one in Atlanta, and I'm in New York.
He should be happier than I am to get this job. Knowing that I'm not coming down there and dominating his show. (laughs) Oh, God. The NL East is over. Who would have thought? I'll tell you, I swear when I said that, I never in a million years thought that it would cause any fuss whatsoever. You know, like I was saying before, I think there are people now in the business who try to do stuff to get attention and try to say stuff to go viral or whatever. I couldn't care less. I don't want the attention. Leave me alone. And that particular thing, which blew up, that particular thing, I swear to you when I said at the time, I didn't even give it a second thought. I was like, please, this is embarrassing. Like, who doesn't think the division is over? You want me to say this as like a a strong opinion? Everybody knows the division is over. And then, of course, the second the words come out of my mouth, the Braves go on a 10-game winning streak. And by the way, if I, or whatever it was, 14-game winning streak, by the way, if I'm the jinx and I was the problem, like Met fans say, Oh, you cost the Mets the division, you big mouth, you jinx. Don't make any more predictions. Well, how come when I said the NL East is over this year and it belongs to the Braves, how come the Braves just pulled further away from the crappy Mets? How come that's the case? If it's my fault, I'm the jinx. So it must have been only last year, right? Just last year in that circumstance, it was me. Or was it that the Braves were that much better than the Mets? You can say I was wrong about my prediction, because obviously I was at least half wrong. You know, it didn't take the Braves seriously enough. But you could say I was wrong about it. You can't say that I was a jinx. So stupid. The NL East is over. It belongs to the Braves. Said that a, a month ago. Since then, the Mets have fallen further back in the division. Now, if the Marlins win that division from Atlanta, then I'll admit I am a jinx. And I'll enjoy the hell out of it. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Speak your mind at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. is the number to call. Talking Yankees, talking Mets, talking career changes, whatever's on your mind on this Thursday morning as we go to 5 a.m., the warm-up show with Al and Jerry. Jack is calling from the Upper West Side. What's up, Jack? Hey, Sal. Um, You know, you were a few weeks ahead of me in terms of, you know, throwing in the towel and calling the East over, and I know you kind of held out a little bit for the playoffs, and... um, but I have to say, today kind of felt like my put a fork in them day. You know, I just felt like they're done um, today. And, um, you know, there's there's so much blame to go around that I, I, I don't think you can fairly put it on any one entity or person. But, um, you know, Lindor, um, I feel like we all know that this situation with the car, it just, smells so bad it's just like it, it it's something that so commonly offends us and so it's just hard to imagine how this how how much that kind of got into the kind of the the vibe in the in the clubhouse 
And I was thinking about, like, I don't really know whether Lindor is a good guy or a bad guy. He says lots of good things. He seems, you know, he's a family man. You know, there's lots to admire. Uh, You know, he's a great defender. Um, he plays you know, hard. He, pl- he plays every day. I mean, he's leaving the the hospital, the the birth of uh, you know a, a child, and he's going out to the ballpark to be a part of the team in the eighth inning. I mean, there's a lot of things about Francisco Lindor to love. For sure, and I'm not I'm not here to defend him or to I can't fully indict him because I don't have I, I don't have all the facts. But the thing is, this is for me. We all know that he was he played better in Cleveland um, than he's played here consistently, and. Um, when you, you know, when they traded for him and they had a year to sort of feel him out and see how he could handle New York and, and everything it entails, I feel like when they gave him that extension, my worst fears have come true, which is that that gave him enormous power in the clubhouse and on the team because he committed 11 years and a ton of money to a guy and everybody knows it. Everybody knows he's not going anywhere. And so, you know, when I think about how that affects clubhouse dynamics and even the relationship with a manager, like to me, the other part of this call was that I really feel that Buck has, you know, has not held anyone accountable. There's been no accountability. And, and I think like today Hefner said, you know, he taught, you know, he said, the only th- he said he had no answers, but he also said something about guys having trouble with the way the ball was coming out of their hands and, you know, and as if the ball was, I just feel that there's a culture of excuses for uh, for underperformance and uh, people say no excuses, but they never they, 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 there's 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 no one ever pays a consequence for a mental mistake or or anything. So I I just I just I think you you're right. There is something just kind of rotten at the core. And sadly, Buck, who was you know you know obviously one of the great minds in the history of baseball, you know I almost feel as that he went so far to the side of becoming a, a being a player's manager. Who always sort of backs his guys and never throws anybody on the bus. But I just, I just think there's an emptiness on the on the team that when they make mistakes, nothing happens. Yeah, and I don't understand how not one of them can come out and, and like I said, Buck has alluded to it. The I forget the exact. Um, it was after Atlanta where Buck was talking about positives, this and that. Yeah, he was, proud, he was proud. Proud for fighting back. Right, fighting but. Back. In that same post-game press conference, he did say you've got to be truthful with yourself and you got to be able to look in the mirror. So I think he's gotten that message across to the players. He may not have said it directly to the media so we could see it. I have to believe Buck has gotten that message across to the players that you've got to be honest and truthful with yourself, and we just haven't been good enough right now. But I don't know if the players believe that. I, 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 there's got to be some kind of issue there, Jack, that it just doesn't add up. The talent that well, this team has, the success that they had a year ago, there's no way it adds up to this bad for this long this year. For, for sure, and I think any of us who've ever been on a team know that there's always going to be somebody on any good team who kind of, you know, reads the riot act, blows a gasket, lets everybody know what flies, what doesn't fly. We, we just don't have that sense about this team. Um, you know, and and I and I, and I I do think Buck needs his share of criticism for just you know ridiculously bad decisions. So he he's he's had a rough year. I mean, he maybe he's had no good cards to play. So that that's arguable, but um, there's there's something missing. There's really something missing in the heart of the team. Like Tommy Pham, you know, he's he's the only guy who sort of exudes like like I'm pissed or I'm angry or and I'm playing with 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 ferocity. Um, and, and we see other teams, the way other teams play. We see the way the Braves just, they just kick Stan in our face all day yeah. long. And I just, yeah, the Mets stand there I, and I, take it. Think, think about the Mets teams we loved. You know, they didn't take any crap from anybody. They didn't, you know, so, so anyway, it's, 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 well, uh, well, Jack, what's, my, the, I put a what's the one thing, what's the one thing I've been talking about with this team? What's the one word that I've been using to describe them? Oh gee, Sal. You know, I, 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 my, you know, my mind's spinning. So I, well, that's right. I'll, I'll tell it. you. That's right. I'll tell you. Soft. And thank you for the call. As always, they're soft. That's it. I mean, you just mentioned it. They get dirt kicked in their face. They stand there and take it. They don't punch back. They see the Braves. They run the other way. They don't have it. The team's got no guts. They don't have any heart. They're soft. 
Not saying that each individual player doesn't have heart. I do think Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, those guys plan every game and want to be out there and play. I do think there's a long list of players, though, on this team who may have the want to or whatever Buck Walter wants to say. They're soft. This team as a whole, as a group, is soft. It's been proven. I'd love for them to prove me wrong for once. They had the division stolen from them last year, head-to-head. All they had to do was win one lousy baseball game, and they made that seem impossible. Couldn't do it. And this year's even worse. Have not recovered, and they can't figure it out. They talk like they believe in themselves. They talk like they think they're good. They they don't. They, they either don't believe it, they're either not good or they don't believe they're good. And they're just flat out soft. Eight, seven, and that, and you know, worse than that is done, irrelevant. Like that's where we're at here with this team. Eight, seven, and even with that, there's still a part of me that believes that they're going to go on at least one run you know, 8 of 10, something like that. They will go on that type of run to get us sucked back in and maybe believing in the team again only to disappoint. But they have to have some kind of run. And even the crappy teams go on a run. And that's what they've been this year. Maybe they'll go on a run at some point. What does that mean? You know, will it result in a playoff appearance? No, I don't think so. But I still do believe they have to have at least a little run in them. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.